Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome back to part two of our neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreas uh, lecture series. And I left off with this slide before that made the point that 90% of neuroendocrine tumors of the pancreas are sporadic. But they, 10% of the time, they do occur with syndromes. So the syndromes are MEN1, type 1, von Hippel-Lindau syndrome, neurofibromatosis type 1, and tuber sclerosis complex. Uh, each of these syndromes is inherited in an autosomal dominant pattern, and the causative genes are MEN1, VHL, NF1, and TSC1-2, respectively. If you look at some of the numbers, von Hippel-Lindau syndrome, although pancreatic lesions are common in von Hippel-Lindau, only up to 17% of patients will develop neuroendocrine tumors. In this scenario with von Hippel-Lindau, they're essentially all non-functioning. They're detected in the patient's late 20s and early 30s, and they're usually solitary. With MEN1, they can be multiple, and they're typically going to be functioning. The clinical presentation of neuroendocrine tumors is typically these two categories, functioning and non-functioning tumors. Functioning tumors present with a defined clinical syndrome. There's a range of ones. The most classic we do with CT is rule-out insulinoma, hyperglycemia, but gastrinomas, glucagonomas, VIPomas, somatostatinomas are all things we think about. Non-functional tumors, which means they're not hyperfunctioning, do not present with symptoms related to hormone hypersecretion, although in some cases they do have hormone levels that are elevated. So Ralph Rubin does make the point that everything is increased uh, hormonal levels, but it's that hypersecretion th that leads to the syndromes, okay? MEN1 is characterized by neuroendocrine tumors and it's associated with pituitary and parathyroid, PPP, pancreas pituitary parathyroid. Almost all patients with MEN1 will develop a neuroendocrine tumor during their lifetime although most of these will be non-functioning, small microadenomas that are often multifocal. Fewer than 15% of these non-functioning tumors will be large enough to be symptomatic. Functioning neuroendocrine tumors that are symptomatic occur in between 20 and 70% of patients with MEN1, with a little more than half of these patients presenting with Zollinger-Ellison syndrome due to underlying gastrinoma and 20% with symptoms for an insulinoma. Remember with Z syndrome, you often see very, very large gastric folds. Other functioning neuroendocrine tumors, VIPomas, glucagonomas, somatostatinomas, less than 3% of patients with MEN1. The management of patients with MEN1 and neuroendocrine tumors is significant because it is, um, that is to say, neuroendocrine tumors are the leading cause of disease-specific mortality among patients with MEN1. Furthermore, the mean age of death among patients with MEN1 with neuroendocrine tumor is 55 years, which is lower than that of both the general population and patients with non-MEN1 neuroendocrine tumors. So that indeed is important. Now this article by Sunil Amin makes the point that the enhancement characteristics of a neuroendocrine tumor may also not only make you able to diagnose it compared to an adenoCA, but also prognostic features. Lesions that are hypo-enhanced on CT tend to have worse survival than those that are ISO or hyper-enhancing. So that's a very important factor. Now, I will say that if you have a hypervascular lesion 
and you do chemotherapy, sometimes the lesions become less vascular. But when you're speaking about things here, you're speaking about at presentation. So let's look at some examples. Very nice example of a tumor, maybe about 3CM body of pancreas, hypervascular. Patient hyperglycemia, neuroendocrine tumors um, with uh, hyperglycemia. You're thinking about insulinomas, which this was. They can be multiple, so if you see one, don't be satisfied. Make sure you're not missing a second one. Very nicely here shown on the patient's arterial phase imaging and uh, from the axial as well as on the MIP. The MIP you see very nicely, the small feeding vessel to the tumor. And you can see that on the venous phase, I can recognize the lesion because I know where it is, but you can see how quickly the lesion has become nearly isodense to the regular pancreas. When you use um, cinematic rendering, look how the lesion, these are two different renderings, look how well that lesion is seen both times and the relationship of the lesion to the pancreas, but the difference in texture. Another set of images, again, look at that texture of the normal gland and look at the differential texture in the patient's neuroendocrine tumor. That can indeed be important. Again, two more views here. This all shows you the accessory right hepatical of the SMA as well as the SMA and its branching. But again, look at the pancreatic gland and look how we can see the tumor. Now, since I mentioned insulinoma, let me show you glucagonoma. This is a, a large mass by the tail of the pancreas. It's bulky, it's invasive, you can see it here as well. It's a large mass which grew into venous structure, and so here the splenic vein is occluded. Multiple collaterals are seen. The portal vein, SMV confluence is involved. So just a pretty picture on the volume rendering and the uh, cavernous transformation of the portal vein. The extensive collaterals are very nicely shown as well on the patient's MIP imaging. Now, when you think about neuroendocrine tumors, and I've showed you a few already, they often are large tumors, very vascular, and not very difficult to detect with the right protocol. But sometimes they're hard. We do pick up smaller lesions. Uh, here's an example of a lesion by the tail of the pancreas. Now, you could say, could this just be an IPMN or a cyst? But you can see on these images, arterial phase, there's rim enhancement in the lesion. Here's two more images of that. And you can see as you go from arterial to venous phase that the rim enhancement decreases, washes out, but it's still there. And that's good for a neuroendocrine tumor. We'll come back in a few moments to discuss cystic neuroendocrine tumors. I wouldn't quite call the cystic, I would call it low density with a bright rim of enhancement. Really good for a neuroendocrine tumor. One of the things with neuroendocrine tumors, I mentioned 30% accuracy, is because lesions like this one are small. Now here you'd say, look how obvious that tail of the pancreas lesion is, contrasted very nicely to the fatty infiltration of the pancreatic gland. But you know, that lesion's only 1cm, and then 1cm goes away quickly. Cinematic, look at the lesion, look at the texture mapping, the fatty infiltration of the body and tail of pancreas, and the one centimeter solid mass shown in the axial images as well, very nicely showing you what potentially can be a major role for cinematic rendering. Also, texture mapping can be very important, not only in classifying lesions, but figuring out how to manage lesions across the spectrum. Another set of images here, again, accentuating the normal gland, showing you the celiac, including hepatic and splenic arteries, showing you the tissue, showing you the vascularity, 
and then just here is very nicely the uh, vascular map and the venous face imaging where you see the portal vein you see the smv everything is very well defined again look at the shadowing the lighting models on cinematic rendering really excel in this application here you can see the lesion again tail of pancreas consider that or compare that to the fluid that's in the stomach quite a contrast and again you can see the rest of the gland looks good it's that one centimeter vascular lesion the tail of the pancreas same patient we can see the arterial map and you can see there's re replaced right hepatic off the sma very nicely shown there you see the hepatic you know you can see the branching off the celiac uh, very nicely shown in the branching of the sma Sometimes when you're looking at these lesions that tail of the pancreas, it's very, very difficult. And so, for example, you can look at this case and you see what looks like just about a one centimeter lesion that's almost easy to miss if you're not looking for it. Again, this was an incidental finding. Look at it in the coronal view. The coronal view makes it a bit easier to see. You see the lesion hanging off the bottom of the tail of the pancreas. And similarly, when you go to cinematic rendering, you can see how the lesion is really accentuated against the normal gland that's in one different rendering and here's in a second rendering so very nice example of how cinematic rendering or texture mapping can accentuate the difference between normal and abnormal tissue and here it is a uh, again another example with that lesion by the tail posteriorly coronal view and then the reconstructions so again we're able to see things that at times potentially can be overlooked and it's one of the things we're going to train our deep learning model to be able to recognize so none of us will miss these lesions another example neuroendocrine tumor tail of pancreas now i have to admit one thing you can consider in this case is could this be a splenule the important thing with splenules both arterial and venous phase they look identical to the spleen this is more vascular than the spleen so we really know it's pancreatic and it's not going to be a splenule. And we'll look at it again. First on MIP imaging. Then you can see it on the venous phase as it washes out. We can see it again a few more images, axial and coronal on venous phase. You can see if you only had venous phase imaging, it'd be easy to miss, but it's still bright, and it's still brighter than the spleen, so it's not a splenule. So we sometimes people have been taken to surgery not at Hopkins of course for what ends up being splenules rather than a neuroendocrine tumor again you got to think about that when you have lesions by the tail of the pancreas sometimes as in this case it's in the tail and it's sort of hanging off but sometimes it's embedded and we can see intrapancreatic splenules now sometimes it's easy to make the call this was sent to us as a neuroendocrine tumor but you can see the mass they were concerned about but it's more a pattern of enhancement on the arterial phase is identical to the spleen. Here it is again on a few more images. And here it is again as you look at the coronal view. That mass, which here looks like it comes off the pancreas, simply abuts the pancreas, and its enhancement is not as bright as a typical neuroendocrine tumor, but is identical to the spleen. So splenules can be large, like in this case, and there can be some confusion. When you do venous and it washes out, you can see it washes out and it looks identical to the spleen as well. And here it is in coronal. So these can be very challenging. Again, a side-by-side -side comparison. 
it is one of the challenges. You'd hate to have someone go for a splenectomy and distal pancreatectomy for an accessory spleen. On the other side, you can't be cavalier and assume it's an accessory spleen and then end up with the ability to cure someone with a distal pancreatectomy and then a year later or two years later the patient has liver metastasis. So again, very important. Because I'm talking about error and how you can confuse a splenule with a tumor and a tumor with a splenule, I'll just mention there's one other potential pitfall, they're probably not the same critical nature. This lesion, when you look quickly, looks like head of pancreas neuroendocrine tumor next case. But we have seen lesions in the duodenum, carcinoids and gist tumor. This was in fact a gist tumor. Both gist and carcinoids can be vascular. And if they're sitting just medially, they can easily be confused with a glucogonoma or other neuroendocrine tumors. Here it is again, you can see it nicely there. Here it is with the small branch vessels on the MIP imaging. And here it is on Venus, where you can still see it, but the epicenter is kind of tricky. But when you start looking at all of the images, the epicenter is peripancreatic, but outside of the pancreas. And with cinematic, look how nicely you see the lesion, the textural change seen here as well. The coronal display, the lesion looks like it's in the duodenum. Classic mass. And here it is again. And I'll just circle it. So sometimes you can be confused with duodenal lesions simulating pancreatic lesions and pancreatic lesions simulating duodenal lesions. The good news is the treatment is the same. It'll typically be a Whipple's procedure, but we like to be right. Now, a lot of interest in neuroendocrine tumors and advanced imaging. Here's an article by Canelli's this few months ago. Purpose of the study was to assess whether texture analysis and features are predictive of neuroendocrine tumors based on grading. And their conclusion was texture analysis and CT features are indeed predictive of neuroendocrine aggressiveness and can be used to identify patients at risk of early disease progression. So again, this is the idea about using CT and texture mapping, not only for lesion detection, but for classification and patient management. The authors go on to say, although neuroendocrine tumors can be grouped by cell type and origin and symptoms, the most important differentiation is tumor grade, low grade, intermediate, and high grade. And you can see our survival changes depending on the grading system. So Canellis made the point that they would be able to potentially predict the, the grade of the tumor, and that will indeed be important. And you can see some of the results, and you could read them yourself. And when they talk about things like entropy, this is some of the factors you see when you do radiomics. It does make the point that we've been trying to say to you for a while is that CT is typically or has been images and slices. The future of CT is analysis of the images where just looking at the images alone is just going to be a small part of the process. Uh, again, Canales, our results are in accordance with findings in the literature. The texture parameter entropy, which is thought to reflect reflect tissue heterogeneity, has previously been reported as one of the best quantitative performers or parameters for differentiating benign from neoplastic, grading things like gliomas, and accessing outcomes. So again, a very important feature, and Canales does make the point that this indeed can be used to identify patients at risk for early recurrence. So again, the role of CT increasing from just 
time zero making a decision to being able to be predictive is really, really an ideal possibility. And this idea about texture mapping, the idea about radiomics, we looked at cinematic rendering as a way of doing texture mapping. Uh, Linda Chu wrote this article in AJR a few months back and about the advantages of CR and because we can control a lot of the rendering parameters, we can try to accentuate differentiation in tissue type. And I've shown you in this two lectures a lot of that information. So indeed, I think it's very, very possible. So here's another example. Small tumor tail of pancreas. 1CM, easy to miss. Here it is on the volume rendering in MIP. You can see it. It's there. Here's another set of images. But look at the cinematic. Look how nicely you can now see the lesion by the tail of the pancreas against the normal parenchyma. Again, it's all visualization. Of course, it's post-processing, but it's the visualization. And here, when I play with the tissue parameters more, look how that lesion in the tail of the pancreas becomes very obvious before when it was not very obvious. And here's one more set of images. So again, um, the ability to accentuate, detect, and classify may be sort of the world's most complete examination. Now, I should mention, we said this before, that not every neuroendocrine tumor is hypervascular. Here's one of the tail of the pancreas, three centimeters, relatively hypovascular. Areas of necrosis are present. Again, a very good visualization of that lesion. If you start looking at it, and I start playing with the windows, you begin to see the wall thickening. The cystic lesion is not an IPMM or simple cyst. And then the fact is rim-like enhancement. And that tells you you're dealing with a neuroendocrine tumor. You're not dealing with an IPMN. You're not dealing with a cyst. And again, those parameters, as you go to cinematic rendering, look how you can see the tumor and the central part. Really, you appreciate the necrosis now and the wall thickening. And here is a few other coronal-type visualizations. You see the texture mapping. You see the visualization. Just a very elegant way. Um, of being able to define the parameters and be very specific. And I think using texture mapping, we're going to do even better at grading tumors as well as in detecting tumors. And here's just one more example. So I have a number of other cases for you, but um, I think we've gone probably almost 20 minutes. I know people uh, like to keep things under 20 minutes. So let's take a uh, two-minute break. Why don't you stand up, stretch, drink some vitamin water, and uh, we'll come back in a moment and let's finish up this talk.